Alrighty. It was interesting, Karen was talking this morning about uh, their camping trips um, <laughs> as kids. And uh, I don't know, have you guys seen the ad on TV where they go camping and it flashes back to the olden days? Like, you know, they go, oh yeah, we've got a canopy, we've got this, that and the other. And then the little kid, <laughs> it's so funny, he's got a moustache, you know, like he's, he's standing there and, and dad's going, oh, we did things differently in my day, son. And they flash back and the kid's got a moustache. I find it hilarious. Anyway, but it's like he's sitting in the back of the car and everything's thrown on top of him and then there's the esky, you know, the old, big, the old square eskies that you put the ice in and, and in, in the end, like, they go to have lunch and they pull it out and the, the sandwiches have water in them and all sorts of stuff. I remember stuff like that. <laughs> Good times. But I was thinking about that in terms of a, a trip that, that we did once, and uh, I just wish I had a picture of it, but like the Kingswood that we used to have, I think it was a blue one, I know we had lots of different cars, but it ate fuel, you know, it's like we'd set off on our trips down south and we were not the family that got up early in the morning and left at the crack of dawn, we were not that family, we, we were meant to be that family. But inevitably, it was morning tea, lunchtime, off we'd go, you know, by the time Everything's on the roof rack on top of the station wagon. The station wagon's absolutely packed out. Dad's put in a couple of jerry cans because this thing's going to drink the fuel on the way down. And, and we'd get to somewhere like Pine Creek, which isn't that far away, but we'd have to fill up. And you're like, <laughs> okay, got to fill up at Pine Creek. And I remember we went one into this shop and they had this thing at the back and it was like, guess what this is made of and you win a free coffee. Okay, something like that. And I was like, you know, as a kid, you're thinking, yeah, I know what that is. It looks like this, but I reckon they're tricking me, you know. It's not really that. So I'm going to guess this other stuff. But you had to pay money for it. So luckily I had Bank of Dad with me, and um, he, he financed my venture. Um, and I didn't like coffee anyway. So it was all about the challenge, you know. I'm going to guess what this is. So I'm like, yeah, no worries. Okay, I think it's plastic. Nah. <laughs> Okay, Dad, <laughs> by then, you know, uh, I think it's wood. Nah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what it is. I think I tried one more time, and by then I would have bought three coffees. And um, I still couldn't guess it, because it looked like something, but it was something else, and I didn't dare guess what it actually looked like, which it probably was. But it's funny how, like, in life, sometimes we get so fooled by what we think things should look like, but we know what, what we want in life, and I'm going to be talking in regard to faith today, and believing God and trusting God for the things that he's promised, all right? And sometimes we, we miss out on God's promises because we're, we're impatient, we're disobedient, whatever it might be, we're going to sort of cover a few of those things, but so what we do is we settle for something that looks like the real thing, the fake thing, you know what I mean? It's like, well, it's not really gold, but it looks like gold, so I'll just take that, you know, the fool's gold or a cubic zirconia if you're looking for a diamond or whatever it might be, that God has these amazing things for us and we can miss out on them because we don't believe God and, and believing God, it, it, it's not just one thing like, oh, I've got to have faith. Believing God is a lived out way of life that, that we live so that the promises of God can come to us. And sometimes the problem is that the promises don't arrive tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like God's 
given you a promise or you're believing for something, I don't know, whatever it might be in your life. And, and we all go through life believing for something, don't we? We're like, I really believe for this, but we don't get it. We haven't got it tomorrow, you know? So what we're going to do is we're going to actually try and get it ourselves. We're going to try and drum up the answer in our flesh or we're going to grab hold of the nearest thing that looks at least a little bit like God and we're going to grab hold of it and, and that's God's promise, but it isn't God's promise and in the end it actually hurts us and it delays the true promise from coming because we end up chasing this rabbit down this path that we shouldn't be following and God's saying, what are you doing? I've got a promise for you. Just because it's not here right now doesn't mean it's not coming. And, and one of the things is that we can hear about faith as though it's this amazing right now thing, and it is, but it's also patience. Like we inherit God's promises by faith through patience, the Bible says. Sometimes it comes tomorrow, but sometimes it doesn't come tomorrow. And so what we can tend to do is allow ourselves to be fooled by this pretend thing that looks like God or we want it to be God almost. We're trying to fashion it so that we can actually say, oh yeah, at last I've got this promise that I want, but it brings sorrow with it. Like There's, there's verses in the Bible like um, the blessing of God makes rich and has no sorrow with it. And so what people can do is chase the rich and they get the sorrow. Just let it be God's blessing. If God's going to make you rich, let it be from him. Don't start chasing money, worshipping money, but let, let it be something that's a promise of God. Abraham in the Bible, in the Old Testament of the Bible, um, one of the, the forefathers, well, the father of faith, I guess, he, he was the first one that God made this promise with that he was going to bring Jesus. He was promised a child from God and he hadn't got it. So he was about 75 when that child was promised. Hadn't come. So he decided he was going to try and do it his own way. And he ended up having a baby to Hagar, who was his wife Sarah's servant, or Sarah at the time, her servant, because they were like, well, we haven't got the promise of God's son right now. Like, he promised me a son. He got me to look at the stars in the sky. And he said, from you is going to come a nation going to be endless and he's like well we haven't had this promise God where is it well maybe I need to short circuit that so great suggestion let's do that let's have a baby this way and it wasn't the baby of promise God said that's not it end up being a hundred years old when he finally had God's promise come into his life when finally somehow God had worked through their unbelief but they did believe but they acted in unbelief at times and, and the promised son came, the, the, the son of promise came, that, that was meant to be between him and his wife, but they tried to short-circuit it. The plan of God wasn't happening right now, so let me just make it happen. Have you ever done that in your life? You, know, you can see it with people, with ministries even, whatever it might be, they're like, I really believe God's called me to that, I'm going to push for it. Anything that you have to take by force through your human selfness is not a promise of God. When you're trying to grab hold of things that aren't, aren't God's timing or, or whatever it might be, you grab hold of it. You see people compromise so much to get what they want. And it ends up being what they want, but it's not from God because even if it was the right thing, it's at the wrong time or it's being gained unwisely, wrongly, out of disobedience, out of selfish motive, out of vainglory that, that you grab hold of something. Or even a need where you're like, I really need this, give it to me now, God. 
I can't see what I want. God, you haven't provided it. Let me go and get it. And yet it brings us only sorrow because we haven't waited. We haven't been patient for what God wants. I remember once being challenged in in, uh, the compromise side of things by a lady at a church and this is actually to do with Joe and we were going out and, and some stuff was happening around it but she came to me and she said, you know what, I really feel like God's saying this to you that um, what you compromise to keep, you eventually lose. The context was this, that if you actually choose Joe over ministry, then you're going to lose Joe, basically. Because if you're going to compromise to keep that relationship, then you're going to lose ministry. Well, I felt like the call of God on my life at about 19 and and you know what? I knew that was the wrong word anyway. What they were asking me to do was compromise what God had provided for me and chase ministry. Chase after that because that's the important thing, but it wasn't what God wanted for me. And yet God, at the age of 40, finally brought full-time ministry, even though, you know, as we all do, we work in full-time ministry. But actually being a pastor, the call that was on my life. And I still got Job. Yeah. Good on you, Joe. You're you're a Trojan. (laughs) But she's been a blessing to me, and without her strength with my ministry, it would have been a failure because she supports me and strengthens me in that. And and so we have to to do be aware of what she said to me. I said, can you go and write that down for me, please? I know at the age of whatever, 20, 21, I don't know, I was a bit of a smart aleck back then, but probably still am. Said, Go and write it down then. You're so sure of this word. She came back to me a week later. Oh, no, I can't write it down because it wasn't from God. And so many times we do that. I remember Danny Guglamucci, one, a pastor in Adelaide, was talking about it and, and he said that they really needed a sound system for their church. It cost this amount of money, $20,000 or something, let's just say. And one of the things he says is that the devil will often bring you the first offer. Okay, They needed $20,000 for the sound system, so he's praying about it. And he's just praying about it, and then um, a guy comes up to him after a service one day, and he said, Danny, I want to give you $20,000 for a sound system, but this is the rules. You put it at the level I want it. In other words, you don't have it louder, that's it, I'm setting the level. Danny was like, we need a sound system. What do I do about this? Do I compromise to get the thing that I've been believing for? Do I say, okay, well, yeah, all right, no worries. But there's a condition involved with it. Anyway, he's like, nah, sorry. A week later, someone else came up with a generous heart that just said, Danny, here's a blessing. Here's the money. Get your sound system. No strings attached. And that's how it sometimes comes to us is that we're ready to compromise because it is exactly what we know we want or what we need. And it's true, the devil comes with the first offer sometimes. That's a test. A test of who you are. And it looks right, but you know it's wrong because of certain reasons which we're going to go through right now. So where we're going to be looking at is in Hebrews chapter 4. And the chapter... It's talking about this day of rest that we Christians are meant to enter into, which is actually a faith thing. And, and it sort of goes through 
Yeah, that's our first verse. It sort of goes through um, basically comparing it to Joshua and the people entering the promised land and how they didn't actually enter into the rest the first time they got there. In fact, they wandered around in the desert because of certain reasons and they didn't get God's promises. And he says, yeah, but there's still a day of rest that's waiting. If Joshua had gotten it for them, which he didn't, there's a day of rest for the saints, which is a rest of faith. In other words, our life is now not striving after things, it's trusting in God and it's a rest. Do you know if you keep striving and, and trying hard to get what God wants, you haven't entered into that rest. And this is what the challenge is that he's giving us. Have you entered into the rest of faith? But there are a few reasons why you might not enter into that, and I want to look at that. So we're going to look at just a few of the verses. I would really encourage you to go and read the whole lot of this, all right? Hebrews 3 and 4. Read through it. Start to really ponder about the rest of God. What is it? Because, you know, sometimes we just need this rest, but we're struggling so hard to get something. I remember one of our kids was like that. They um, never wanted to go to bed. And Joe would be like actually wrestling them onto the bed to have a sleep. You need to have a sleep. No, I don't want to sleep. I don't need to sleep. And she'd wrestle them and then they'd go to sleep. Eventually, Joe would have black eyes. No, it wasn't that bad. But then the, the child would wake up like an angel, <laughs> come out, oh, you were right. <laughs> and what a pleasure it is when your kids say you were right, mum and dad, like that's the best thing you can hear. But we struggle like that with faith sometimes, don't we? We're just like, no, I need to try harder, I need to pray longer, I need to do this, do that, whatever it might be. And we don't enter into the rest that God actually has for us. We're struggling so much, we refuse to walk into the arms of God. Just let him do something. And this is my first point. So this is from this verse in Hebrews 4.1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience. The first thing that you need to remember about the rest, if you're not living in rest in faith, Remember, it's God's promise. God's promise. He's the one who promised it. And one of the reasons we don't enter into the rest is because we actually don't know God. This is the first thing. If you're struggling in faith, if you feel like you're always trying to get something but you never have it, or you're grabbing hold of the false promises, remember this, you don't really know God. talked a bit about that last week. You remember if we're afraid, we're afraid of judgment, we don't fully understand God's love. And so we don't know God. In order to get any of God's promises, you must know God is able. And I think when we, we, we talk about faith, we have to believe first that God is. God is God. Right? God is God. He is able to do anything, isn't he? God is God. Whatever your problem, your situation, your, your desperation, whatever it might be, God is God. He can do it. And the first reason that we never enter into the rest of God is because we actually don't believe he is God. God means above all, overall, more powerful than all, he is God. 
everything. So that's our first one. Our second one. Have our second verse up. 4-2. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. So the second reason we don't get the promises of God is because we don't listen to him. We fail to hear what God is saying. Unlike those who did get the rest. And you'll see it in your Christian life. There's some people that just seem to be in this rest with God and sometimes you're not and you're like, what is wrong? But you're not actually listening to God. You're not hearing his voice. You're not understanding what he's saying. And that comes back to the first thing. God is God, but then we need to have relationship with him. I was just talking to my daughter the other day about knowing God's voice because so many Christians are like, I don't know what to do. I'm seeking God. I don't know what to do. I need to know what to do. And I said, do you know what the problem is? You're not actually listening to his voice because you don't know his voice. You're so busy talking, you never take time to hear what he's saying to you. Not her, but people. And I gave the example of a shopping centre where we're walking around and then you know, we hear you know, lots of kids saying dad and mum, but as soon as it's our child, dad, it's like, yes, daughter, yes, son, what do you want? You see, we spend so much time pursuing what God wants us to do that we never actually allow ourselves to hear what he's asking us to do. We're so busy trying to look for the thing that we're meant to be doing for God, we forget to pursue God. So we start pursuing the promise rather than the promiser, the one who gave the promise, the one who wants to have a relationship with us. When Jesus talked about it, he said, you know, my sheep know my voice. Why are we so fearful of not knowing what God wants? It's because we don't know him. When we're journeying with someone, when we're walking with them daily, we don't sometimes even need to ask them what to do. Have you been in a workplace? You get to the spot where you're meant to be. No one even says anything. You're working together and there's a job to be done. Everyone just does what they're meant to do. They just know. They're not experienced in relationship in how... They are experienced in relationship of how to do things. In the fire service, it was very much like that. Everyone had their job. Everyone knew they were communicating. When you got to a job, it just got done. You worked together. And I believe the second reason that sometimes you don't enter into the rest of God is because you're just not used to his voice. You're spending all your time seeking the promises or the things that you forget it's a person, our God. And I often say, (laughs) God doesn't play hide and seek. He plays seek and find. Those who seek me will find me. It's not like those who seek me will be looking everywhere and they won't be able to find me. It's those who seek me will find me. And and for us as a Christian, do you want the rest of faith? Number one, believe God is God. Secondly, start to listen to his voice, which means get to know him. Okay, our next one. Not that one. 
Not that one. Did I, did I do a double take? Oh, there we are. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. The next thing to remember is if you're disobeying God, do not expect any rest in faith. Simple. God told them to go across, take the land, when Joshua was leading them, they didn't do it. They failed to enter into the rest. They failed to obey God. And this is probably one of the biggest thing, struggles for many Christians is that they don't actually want to really fully give their life to Christ, do they? They're not ready to sacrifice what God says give up so they can actually have a rest with faith. Is that you? What happens is we can unite ourselves with those who don't believe. Now, in, in the case of the children of Israel, when they reached the River Jordan the first time, there was a whole lot of spies who didn't believe that they could take the land. Far more than did believe. But, but you know what they did? They aligned themselves with those who didn't believe. The ones who said it can't be done, they aligned themselves with that. And, and as a Christian, I want you to consider carefully what you are lining yourself up with, who you are aligning yourself with, because this is going to affect whether or not you are walking in rest with God, that you are walking in rest with your faith. Um, there's a verse in Corinthians, which is coming up. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Now, this is most often used in, in terms of marriage, but we can think about it in so many different ways. Who's your business partner? Who is it that you spend all your time hanging around with? What are they like? Are they living in darkness and they're your best friend and you're always with them where they are? Where is it that you're partnering up with those that don't believe? Are your best friends people of faith? Are they people who believe God? Are they people who you can see are walking in the rest of God? Or are you sort of living this, this tightrope of a Christian life where at any minute you could fall off because of who you are travelling with? Who you are aligning yourself with? Who you are choosing to listen to? And it is hard. I get it. I mean, it was hard when I was a kid, a teenager, trying to live a righteous life in a wicked world because it is, right? It's just not lined up to the way God wants it to be. And today our kids struggle much more. In my day, you'd have to go if you wanted to. The kids would find dad's magazines under the bed or something for pornography and things like that. Nowadays, it's sent to your phone without even asking for it. There's a pressure from the world so much greater, I believe, than when I was a kid. There's still pressure, of course. But nowadays it's far more insidious because it's actually invited into our homes. Do you know what your kids look at on the computer? And I'm not just talking about that stuff, I'm talking about the way the world thinks. What are they looking at that, that you don't actually really know? The, the attitudes of people, even when they're following some famous Instagrammer, what is that breeding into their life? 
Is it breeding selfishness? Is it breeding self-centeredness? Is it breeding things that aren't of God? But they align more with that way of thinking and doing than they do with the ways of Christ. And it's a struggle, young people. And you need the Word of God in your life like never before to stand strong. You cannot afford to drift away from faith. You cannot afford to not look at the Bible and read it and take it to heart. You need it more than ever. And guess what? So do you older folk. So do you. So that could be the third reason. So we've got, you don't believe that God is God, so you don't trust him, basically. You don't listen to him. He'll tell you stuff, but your ears are closed because you don't know him. And then you fail to obey God. You're not willing You're not willing to actually do what God says because you want the promise right now. You want the promise right now. I mean, I remember at school, (laughs) in my heart from a young age, it was like, if a girl wasn't a Christian, they're not a candidate to go out with even. It was set there. It was something that was set, not because I believed it like, oh, that's what mum and dad said. I'd take time to read the Bible and get to know what the Word of God said. All right, our next one. What is next? What's the next slide? Is there another one? That's it? Oh, no wonder there's no more notes here. (laughs) There should be some more there, which is the end of Hebrews, and I'll read it out to you. Because sometimes we think that God just doesn't get it, right? It's not fair, really, that God's asking us to do something. It's easy for him. But I want this to also be in your heart, to know that you can actually be obedient. You can have a relationship with God. You can know he is God. Why do we know that? Because we have someone called Jesus who went before us. This is the beautiful plan of God. Jesus came as man. He left heaven, came as man. Why is that a beautiful plan? Can God understand temptation? In all seriousness. He knows it's there, obviously. Can he understand what it's like to be tempted? Does God know what it's like to be tempted to do something. He can't, right? Because the Bible says clearly God is not tempted with sin, so neither does he tempt any of us to sin, right? It's just not the way it is. But God as man faced temptation. Jesus faced temptation. If Jesus didn't have the opportunity to sin, he couldn't have overcome sin. I know it sounds really weird, yeah, but he was God and man, so he couldn't sin. Well, actually... You can't be tempted to sin if you can't actually follow through with it. Jesus never would. It's bizarre in your head, right? But I want you to understand it because it gives you an understanding that Jesus understands. And he went before us and he now represents us to the Heavenly Father and he understands our weaknesses. 
God understood Abraham's weaknesses and although he didn't live up to the promise straight away, he tried to do it another way, God kept promising to him again and again, I'm going to make a nation through you. I'm going to give you a son. Even when it went wrong, God still came back and said, it's okay. What you did wasn't the right thing, but I'm still with you. So this is it at the end of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So then since we have received... We have a great high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Now this is part of faith, holding firmly to what we believe. What does that mean? It means we actually live out our faith, right? Not just keep believing for the promise. Holding firmly to what we believe means we live as Christians, right? We believe that. Why do we do that? Because Jesus understands us. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus faced... Did you, did you just read that? He understands your weakness. He was tempted, he was tested just as we are, but he didn't sin. And you know what? He's given us the ability to walk into this grace as well. To receive his mercy and find his help when we need it the most. There may be some people today that are living in a way that they know is not what God wants. They're scared to change. They're even scared to lose what they have even though they know it's not from God because they want it so badly but they know it's not actually God's blessing. God provides a way for us to turn our lives around and to say sorry and change. The problem is it's really hard. It was hard for Abraham eventually when Ishmael, which was the son that wasn't the promise of God, caused division with his family that he loved that boy, but he had to go. And sometimes with us, we, we just need to say, I am going to do what you say, God. Make a hard decision to let go of what isn't God and grab hold of what is God's. Because what will happen is if you keep hold of those things that are not of Him, you'll never have rest in your faith. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that's not any way to live my life as a Christian. I want that rest from God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now that, Lord, you have promises for us. Help us not to short-circuit what you're doing is by trying to grab something too soon or try to manipulate or make it happen ourselves. Lord, let us trust in you for the promises, whatever they might be, whether it's for a husband or a wife, Lord, a friend, a job, 
whatever it might be, Father God, that, that you know we want. And we haven't been willing to wait for your timing, for your person, for your job. Just pray you forgive us for that in Jesus' name. Help us to live out our faith, Father God, so that we can actually rest that, Lord, once we obtain that promise that it's peaceful, it's joyful, that it's not, well, if it's not of you, it's not your promise anyway. Help us to adapt our lives to believe that you are God, that you can do anything, that you're working on our behalf as well. Help us to listen to you, Father, to seek you, not your promises. Lord, and just let you talk to us. Father, help us to obey you above all. Lord, that we wouldn't compromise who we are to get something. And we thank you, Lord God, that you understand our weaknesses and you've forgiven us our sin when we come and ask for that forgiveness. And Lord, you have buckets full of grace and mercy for us just when we need it, when we're at our weakest. Help us to run to you instead of away from you. Father, where we're harboring things that aren't from you, to not hide, but actually run to you and let the light take care of what it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there might be someone here today who knows your life is a mess. You've never given your heart to Christ, ever. At the same time, you're like, I hate my life. I hate what I'm doing. It feels, it's the right things to do. The people are hanging around, we party, we do this, we do that, we talk about these things, and yet I feel so empty. You know, the reason for that is because you can only be filled by Christ, by the love of God, by having your sins forgiven and being restored into a relationship with your Father. I'm just going to give you the opportunity to just pray with me and um, just ask him into your life today. He'll fill the gap. It's just the start of a journey, so you'll need to talk to your friend that you came with or you can come and talk to me. How do I grow in this? How do I get to know God more? beautiful thing is the day that you actually invite him in, it says he comes to live with you, to live in you. And you can't even explain it, it just happens. All of a sudden a weight will lift from you. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray with me now and just ask him in. If that's you this morning, just pray with me. Father God, I'm so sorry that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry, God, that I've run from you even. But today I want to make things right. In Jesus' name, come into my life. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he forgave my sins on that cross. I believe that you raised him again from the dead and that also I will be raised from the dead because of him. I ask you for your forgiveness today, but also that you would enter into my life from this day on. I just want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks, guys. Um, we'll have the front open for prayer as usual for anything you want. Maybe you prayed that prayer with me and you would like to come up to get prayed for. You ask Jesus into your life. Please come up. And remember, everyone, be kind and tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you.